This is the St. Charles History Chronicle, episode 2309. Hall of Fame Hammer Dulcimer player and St. Charles resident Bill Robinson joins Steve and Eric at the microphones. Brought to you by the St. Charles History Museum in St. Charles, Illinois. Welcome everyone, this is St. Charles History Chronicles. My name is Steve Gibson, I'm president of the board here at the museum and your host for this podcast. Uh, joining me today is uh, Eric Kruba, our collections manager. Good morning, Eric. Good morning, everyone. And also in the room with me is a very large uh, wooden instrument, and uh, a person here is going to take some time to talk to us a little bit about playing that instrument. Um, it's, uh, his name is uh, Bill Robinson, and uh, Bill's got a history with the museum. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that and his background with the dulcimer and things like that. Good morning, Bill. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> and um, we are, uh, we're, we're happy to have you here. We are getting ready right now for an exhibit next year. We're going to do all about music in St. Charles. Uh, we're getting some great feedback from people uh, up and down the musical spectrum. It's, a, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I think we've had uh, trumpet players and, and composers. and got had 30 people that have signed on so far to be interviewed or whatever, and we like to kick it off here with Bill, and one of the Fox Valley and the Hall of Fame here, and a legendary dulcimer player in the folk scene as well, and bluegrass, sorry, folk and bluegrass scene. Fantastic. Yeah. So, Bill, um, what, tell us a little bit about your background, a little bit of your history playing the dulcimer and, and how we got to where we're sitting at the table today. Okay. Uh, actually, uh, I was born in West Central Illinois, a little town called Industry, and uh, my dad played the dulcimer. And my grandmother taught him to play, and, and she used to play the dulcimer in a little country church. My grandfather was a minister. Anyway, it's been handed down through the family. And my dad, there was five boys in the family, and they all played musical instruments. And then each of their families had five kids, and they all played music. Oh, no so, kidding. You could so, have an old orchestra there. And and I'm the youngest of five, so uh, all my siblings, they, they played different instruments. But I was very fortunate because when I was three years old, uh, they stuck a ukulele in my hands, and I could play rhythm, you know. <laughs> but but uh, my dad always played the dulcimer, and he used to keep it underneath the bed. My great aunt would come and spend the summer with us. We lived on the farm. She was very religious, kind of on the line, you know. Yeah. And so that, that morning, uh, we were getting ready to have breakfast. We was waiting for her to come out, and, and she says, Oh, my days are numbered. It's just, I heard the hearts of heaven last night. <laughs> and, and stuff. So, you know, uh, of course, she kind of rolled her eyes back and thought, boy, she's really losing it. <laughs> and, and so, anyway, next morning, we went through the same thing again. She come in, and uh, the harps of heaven. She said, I heard the harps of heaven. It says, that's the most beautiful music I ever heard, you know. And so, anyway, that afternoon... Uh, we we would get together as a family and play music. And, of course, Dad got the old dulcimer out from underneath the bed, and uh, there was dust on the string, on the uh, soundboard. He looked, and there was this little bitty hole right there in the corner. You can see these tracks up and down there. And so that little mouse was making his hole in there. Oh, no. And he was going there, and his tail would hit those strings. <laughs> so, that, that's the harps of heaven. That is absolutely <laughs> courtesy of Mickey Mouse. Oh, that's insane. Oh, I guess. But anyway, my, my whole family, well, we've, like I said, we've all played music for years in West Central Illinois. And, yeah. and uh, we didn't travel very far, but it was, you, you'd call up your neighbors, and they might lose the furniture out the side, and 
we go in there and play first at oh, and it was just a family affair. And then as things got more, we'd travel farther, and then we'd go to some of the hometowns and to their homecomings, and, yeah. and we would play there. And so we have quite a history in, uh, in around Schuyler County, Fulton County, McDonough County. Oh, that's fantastic. And so I'm very fortunate to have older brothers and sisters, and when they would leave and lay their instrument down, I'd pick it up. So I had the opportunity to pick up everything that they did. My oldest brother played fiddle. My oldest sister played accordion, piano. My brother, middle brother played uh, guitar and tenor banjo. And my younger, younger sister played also the dobro and piano. And then, I, of course, here I came along. My dad played the dulcimer. My mom, she could play a piano, but she only played in church. Ah. And so... <laughs> not for fun, huh? You know, we, and not on Sundays, but only on Sundays. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, but anyway, uh, we would, you know, as a family group, on Sundays after church, we, we would either meet to one or the other, my uncle's homes, or we'd invite everybody over to our place. But it was like... Uh, on our moms would fix a feast for us, and then that afternoon we spent all afternoon playing music, mm. and everything was played orally. This is the tradition that I'm so glad that you know it's like you said passed down orally and taught, and then you know you got such a musical gene in you. I'm I'm sure that you're just gonna keep I, passing it. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure how many people could really read music, but uh, yeah, uh, you know, and then you were just taught to play and. When you hear it, you play it. Oh, that's fantastic. And so, anyway, uh, I was very fortunate to be, they all took me under their wings. And in fact, my first cousin, he lives not too far from us down at the farm and down in Fulton County. And uh, he he made comments as to, uh, he was a school teacher. And uh, after he retired from the school, he bought a little farmette down there next to us, and he said, "You used to make me so mad when we were kids." Says, "said We wanted you to come out and play ball with us, and all you wanted to do was be stay in there with our dads and play music." <laughs> and, but, but he said, "Now I wish I had it." <laughs> you you grew up in Central Illinois, and yet here we sit in the museum with an instrument that's got your name on the top of it. How did how do we get from Industry Illinois up to up to St. Charles and, and, and where we're at today? Well, the old dulcimers have a tendency, if they sit around very long, uh, the, the glue would come dry and then they'd start coming apart. And uh, anyway, my my grandmother's instrument was built by a gentleman down in that area, uh, Dan Van Antwerp, and about the turn of the century. And uh, anyway... Uh, that old instrument would have to be repaired every once in a while, so my dad would repair it, and then he started building a few. So he 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 did build a few. Uh, it's built some for each of us kids, and then some of the cousins. And we have a little different way of tuning. Uh, most people will tune the instrument as a scale, and even work down on the bass notes too, and. Uh, but we have the tuning of where we play the chords on the right-hand side. 
and the, you still have your scale and the middle bridge. Over the years, I, I started playing after my family started separating and going different directions, and I started joining in with different groups and different bands and playing, and I formed a couple bands, and, and we would play, uh, we played in a bowling alley and different places mm -hmm. like that. Oh, gosh. And then uh, I joined some operas. Uh, I joined the Illinois Country Opera down in Petersburg, and uh, they were involved with the, the Grand Ole Opera down in Nashville. So I had the opportunity to, to meet so many, almost all the oh, Grand Ole Opera stars at that time. <laughs> oh, that would be quite a and thrill. So they time. would invite me to come down and play down in Nashville, and, and uh, I became real good friends with Roy Acuff, and, and I played one summer with him at Opera Land. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so cool to hear. Yeah. I, I'm probably the only person that ever turned him down for working full time with him. That <laughs> he he used to call me his little man. He said, "Now, oh my gosh. said my little man says I can I can keep you busy. You can play music. You'll meet so many wonderful people." And uh, but he said, and of course at that same time I was working at Caterpillar in Peoria. Yeah. And I was going through the training program and management. And so I said, well, I said, I'm, I'm laying numbers out here on the table. I like it right here where we can we can look at it. So I said, this is what where I'm at with Caterpillar, and this is where I'm heading for. And so what can you do? Yeah. And he said, he looked at it, and he said, well, my little man, said, if you need that almighty dollar, maybe you better stick with Caterpillar. Why did it? But every weekend I played music someplace. Wow. Yeah. And uh, I'd have, you know, in fact, by my association with the Grand Ole Opry people, they'd come through, and if they needed someone to play an instrument, I didn't care what I played. So <laughs> I, a lot of times I just yeah. sit in and play with so that's a that's a radio show too, um, Grand Ole Opry, which means that you're not only playing for the audience there at the at the Opry, but you're playing for a wider audience that that uh, got you even more work probably, or at least offers a work. So, um, what year are we talking about here? What years are we talking? This, about? This was like uh, early seventies. Okay, yeah. well, that's a sweet spot for you. Yeah, I was like, that's the yeah. yeah, fantastic. Yeah, I. Yeah, I, I really felt like I was fortunate to meet all those grand, the old Grand Ole Opry stars, you yeah. know. The music today down there is not the same. No, <laughs> no. Yeah, I lived in Tennessee for a couple of years, moved back here for uh, two years ago, three years ago. Had a couple of chances to go to the Grand Ole Opry. Actually got to go backstage, and I actually met Marty Stewart uh, oh. one time backstage and, and saw him in another show there with... Uh, uh, I can't remember his name now, Roger uh, McGuinn from The Birds. Uh, mm -hmm. Marty Stewart was doing a special series of shows there at the uh, Country Music Hall of Fame, and, and one of the shows was that. But, um, yeah, it's, you know, in some ways, the Grand Ole Opry hasn't changed since it first started. Um, obviously, there's a lot of new music coming through there and stuff, but it's still the same old thing. I mean, you're still getting the asleep at the wheel gang and the and um, I'm trying to think of the the Oak Ridge Boys and yeah. you know every because I, I don't know a lot of people probably aren't familiar with the whole setup for the Grand Ole Opry, but it's done in kind of three parts where each part kind of stands alone with a commercial break in between, and you get a little bit of everything there. And I think I, I 
I never heard the Grand Ole Opry show when I was a kid, you know, which would have been in the seventies. But I can imagine it was a lot more uh, country back then than than mm-hmm. anything today. It's a lot more commercial today, but still a lot of fun. A lot always fun to get a mix of music in there because uh, we'll, it was, and everybody would mingle with each other. You know, you might have like Dolly Parton, and, and she, she'd be Porter Wagner, and, and uh, you know, so many of the different ones, and and. Of course, with Roy Hickoff, uh Nashville brother Oswald, yeah, he's the one that led me around Nashville quite a bit, out, out in Opryland, and Charlie Collins was his guitar player. Oh, okay. But uh, anyway, uh, it, it just opened up a whole field, and uh, but I'd always have to come back, go back to work at Caterpillar. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that much, not much of a pension out of the Grand Ole Opry, that's for sure. So a couple weeks in heaven, a couple <laughs> weeks working, a couple more weeks in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, I had the opportunity to, to, like I say, be with so many of them, and I played a lot of different festivals, and and uh, I used to like to go to a lot of the bluegrass festivals and play, and. Uh, on uh, this particular instrument doesn't show it, but I I was playing a, a program over in Quincy uh, back in the 70s, okay. and uh, we were in this little room, and it was with Gene Price, Linda Cassidy, and then Danny Perez playing guitar, and uh, but anyway, he'd go in this little room. We were all crammed in there. And that you said, you watch that red light. Now, when that red light comes on, you're on the air. <laughs> so anyway, I had my dulcimer sitting on like a laundry stand. And that light came on, and I struck my first note, and half the stand collapsed. <laughs> <laughs> Gene Price was playing uh, uh, electric bass. And he saw it happen, and he reached over, and he caught it before it hit the ground. Oh, my God. Mm. And so I, I came up, and I didn't miss a lick. <laughs> oh, that's right. But I thought, there's got to be a better way. So, Who said the bass player isn't important? <laughs> Just kidding, I'm a bass player. When I got home, I went and put buttons on the side of the instrument, and I put a strap around it. Oh, okay. And then for years, and after that, uh, I would play the dulcimer and the strap around my waist, so... I could play, you know, back then a lot of times we just have one microphone. Yep. Okay. And so everybody, when yep. you, it was your turn, you stepped forward and you yeah. played. Well, then I could back up. Yeah. And so otherwise you put them on the stand, that's where it's at. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so I called it my wooden girdle. Because <laughs> most people don't, when they see the hammers, most people play dulcimer with wooden hammers. Yeah. Well, this is wood on here, but my grandmother, she she took the stays out of the old corset. Oh, <laughs> oh. yeah. And the, the original hammers were just electrical tape. Oh, my God. Taped around it, you know. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I called it my wooden girdle, and I played it with the corset stays. So. <laughs> <laughs> You're just missing the top and the dress and everything. No, no. Wait, were they whale bones or were they? No. <laughs> oh my god! But anyway, uh, uh, I, I have been places where. In fact, one time I forgot 
I left my hammers at home. I got there and I had the instrument there, but I didn't have any hammers. Oh, God. And so yeah. I went in the kitchen and I got spoons and put them in my hands. And oh. I played with <laughs> Did it work well? It worked. Oh, that's beautiful. It, I didn't say well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So your uh, dad repaired uh, dulcimers, um, and you're, it sounds like you're creative from the start figuring out how to, how to get your dulcimer girdle or your you know, working for you and, and not lose control of it anymore in those hot rock and roll sessions. And, but um, so, uh, and then how do we get to this instrument? Well, uh, of course, my dad built some of the instruments, but then I had, I and he had a stroke and lost control of his left side. So uh, I thought, well, I better get serious about this instrument, you know. Yeah. And of course, at that time, I was playing all kinds of stringed instruments. So uh, anyhow, uh, I inherited my grandmother's old instrument. And sure enough, I had to take it all apart, mm -hmm. you know, and repair it. So, I decided, well, shoot, if I can take it apart and repair it, why can't I just build it? So I took five enough uh, wood and, and materials and stuff to to build five instruments. And uh, then I I got went, I was at the music store down in East Peoria, and a friend of mine, he, uh, he said, how about doing some teaching? Yeah. <laughs> and... I said, well, the only ones I taught was our family, or and our, and at that time I taught my daughter to play, and uh, so anyhow, uh, I I got started teaching down there, and I ended up teaching banjo, fiddle, mandolin, oh, guitar, man. and and the dulcimer. But trouble is, most people didn't have any dulcimers; they didn't know where they were at. <laughs> okay. So by building the five, I was able to produce some to get some people started. Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, my gosh. So, anyway, uh, uh, of course, I was working with Caterpillar, so I was in the process of moving some product line from East Peoria up to Aurora, and that's how I ended up being up here. Oh, my. And when I got up here, well, then there was people that they, I guess, they went to Old Town School Music K. My name was on the roster about the dulcimer, and so uh, I, a gentleman by the name of Dick Waterbury, contacted me and wanted to know about taking lessons. And I said, "Well, I don't know." I says, "I can. Why don't you come out and I'll play it, and you see if that's what you want." So he came out and he said, "Yeah, well, but it was quite an experience for me because he was left-handed." Oh. <laughs> when I played, I played the melody by right hand. Oh gosh! But you know it was great because I also now I had to learn how to play left hand to roll right. <laughs> <laughs> so you're a switch player there with but, the with the dulcimer. Yeah. Anyway, uh, the the you know I got involved at the Illinois Arts Council, and they I I told them that. You know, because people was, at that time, I was getting all kinds of students around the area. I had them coming in from uh, Indiana, uh, Wisconsin, Michigan, you know, to come here for lessons. I had them all fooled. Oh, wow. Well. <laughs> but but I, I had quite a time. I, I was teaching uh, Monday, uh, three days, Monday, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays. 
and I'd start in in like four hours at a time, and uh, so it it became like a second job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> holy cow! But but um, the arts, I, and I took uh, uh, applied for the arts council to do the master apprentice program, and so and then they told me I need I need to be teaching my heritage. And so people would come with dulcimers, but they were tuned different. And so uh, I would show the people the how we I tuned to hear, and and yeah, they tuned. They didn't make a difference. So you got the whole set of tuning kind of down in the entire community there. That's kind of impressive. Did, you know, and so and, anyway, I, we call it the Robinson tuning. Oh yeah. And oh, and I I know it was tuned that way because on my grandmother's old estimate. The notes were prescribed right in the ah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So that's great. Um, well, I tell you what, um, Mike, is there any chance we get you to play something for us? Sure, sure. I've got, I'm sitting here, we've got, we actually carry in the gift shop here at the museum your latest and greatest originals, yeah. um, which uh, is probably, uh, I see 16 songs on there, which is, uh, that's that's a lot of time spent uh, putting these things together. So, uh, well, whatever you want to play, yeah, that'd be great. I think we got you mic'd up here so we can hear okay. you, okay? Well, maybe I could give you a little demonstration on how to play it. Oh, yes, great. please. And, and, yeah. and uh, we can work through that. Uh, well, I can show you how we build. Okay. Oh, that would be cool. So, I've been tinkering with playing it, but I would love to see how it's actually done here. All right. Well, now, what I do... The white moss is a start of the scale, and it goes from uh, do re mi fa so la ti do, and so it goes. So I got four notes on the right and four notes up on the left hand side of the bridge, and we just start out with one hand, and that's the way I was taught. My dad had a stroke, so he only had his right hand working. So. Uh, but anyway, uh, so what I do is, is I'll, I'll take, I want to teach you the chords and the one, three, five, any gives you your chord or do, mi, so, do, same thing. And so, uh, what I, I would do, I'd take a simple tune and I'd start that scale. And I take a simple tune like boil them cabbage. And there's only four notes in that, that basically. So it goes up, back, down, back, up, back, down. All right. So once you play that down, you're thinking about picking out your melody so it doesn't matter what the melody is that you play if you play it pick it out with your right hand so then that left hand what you can do is you find a note that'll harmonize and at any note that one three five and eight will harmonize so 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 you can so i use the fifth note in the scale and i'm going to put that with the, with my left hand and I'm going to play my, I'm going to play that same thing with my uh, right hand, and I'm going to use my left hand to, to harmonize, but as an alternating beat. 
Okay? So, I mean, I go up one, back, down, up, back, down. Okay? Now, what you can do then is you start building from it. So, you can play, you know, in other words, I'll do a crossover with my right hand, so I'll go. Crossover, I can do a left hand crossover. So I'm, I'm going to go like that. So. Crossover and left handed crossover, add them together, start going. Now, if you think about your core, then so one, three, five, eight. So now we can add them. something that you just keep building from it and don't be afraid to experiment pick up extra notes so so and of course then your speech going to come too so you know you start playing it sounds much different when you're playing slow and when you're playing fast yeah. so demonstration I've seen of how 
I mean, of any musical instrument taking yeah. this. Oh my gosh, fantastic! Well, thank, thanks for that. Yeah. When you started out, and you're you're talking left-handed, right-handed. I, I'm left-handed. I play guitar right-handed, okay. um, just because I it was the easiest guitar to find. Usually, was a right-handed guitar, so that's how I learned how to play guitar. Um, but it's funny because I most everything else I do left-handed. So, um, so they make left-handed and right-handed dulcimers. I'm taking it then. No, no. <laughs> so if you're a left-hander, you're going to learn how to play right-handed. Yeah. What? Well, what you do is you you change. No. Well, not necessarily. I mean, you. You'll actually get to where you can play both hands. Right. But uh, when you're playing left-handed, you can still pick out your melody with your left hand, but you're going to use a lower harmony. Oh, okay. Instead of where, like, okay. where with by picking out my right hand or the right-handed melody, then my left hand is going to be on the higher harmony. Okay. That's just because of logistics. That's the left hand's to keep the beat going. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Well, that's fun. That's great. Yeah. Um, so, something about the history of the dulcimer now is this. I mean, we see it in folk music. We see it in in primitive folk music. I mean, it's, I, I, you see pictures of people playing, you know, all sorts of versions of dulcimers that have the the same kind of thing. And I think a lot of instruments that share characteristics with dulcimers, but aren't necessarily a, a dulcimer. <laughs> um, so I'm guessing this thing is is old, right? It goes, goes back, back to the Old Testament. Does it? Okay. Yes. All right. And there was, there was very, like you say, there were variations of that instrument all over the world. And in fact, uh, the Hungarians have the timbalum. Uh, Yang Chan is Oriental. Uh, I mean, they're just, yeah. there's names, Santire, and, and uh, but, but when you look at them, they look like a dulcimer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and then uh, you use a hammer, and it's called hammered dulcimer. I'm guessing there is a non-hammered dulcimer. Yeah. Well, actually, they they what's the mountain dulcimer? Okay. Uh, it was resonated in the you know the Appalachian area, and it's more of an hourglass, and you strum it. There's can be I don't know three, four, five, six strings. You know, depending on the yeah how creative an instrument you want. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm I'm guessing from the way you tuned it, um, uh, like a twelve string guitar, you're tuning for octaves and and things like that. Um, but I also kind of get a little sense of that, like banjo. I forget that extra string. Is it a drone or it, it, you know that kind of where it's basically emphasizing the let's call it the key the dulcimer's in kind of thing. So uh, when I when I hear all of that, I mean that I think that's why as soon as you hear a dulcimer, it's got some familiarity to it when you hear it. But I think especially with the hammered one. It really brings to mind more keyboards, more yeah. piano, harpsichord, that kind of sound. Well, actually, it's the forerunner in the piano and the harpsichord. Oh, okay. You know, that makes sense. If you look at, <laughs> yeah. it, it, like on on piano, when you play your chord one, three, five, and eight, you can go three. So I mean, they're all right here. Mm -hmm. If you turn it sideways. True. Yeah. <laughs> makes sense. It sounds like it when you pick it that way too. So yeah. Um, fantastic. Okay, so that one there has your name on it. Yeah. And I know Eric's been fiddling with it. So <laughs> I, unless he like took it out of your garage, how did we end up with this thing with your name on it here? Well, I started building instruments too because you know by by I started out with five, and I ended up I had a I think it was like a hundred and sixty two 
that I built wow. from students because I've, I've had <laughs> several hundred students oh, over the years. And, uh, but, you know, if they didn't have an instrument and couldn't find one, I'd build, build it. Oh, my gosh. And uh, so, anyway, uh, and this is, this is like the original instrument except my first instrument. I only had seven bass strings. It only came up here. There's 47 strings on it. But uh, on my grandmother's instrument, it had 59 strings. And it had 10 bass. And so I had I do have 10 bass strings on this. So, uh, And is there a limit? Do people typically, like when it comes to the scales and stuff, do they try and remain in the... <laughs> there are some dulcimers out there that that will <laughs> almost cover. Yeah. I mean, if you get almost every scale. In fact, I have one built by Sam Rosetta. He called it his piano dulcimer. And before he passed away, he he brought it over and and was showing it to me. And it's got every note in the scale. No, it's well. a true chromatic instrument. Oh, yeah. But it's you don't play it like a dulcimer. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> Yeah, and are there like pedal type dulcimers too? Do they, you know, because I hear the everything ringing. Are there ones that have that muting thing? They too? they have dampers on it, you know, where they'll it'll come underneath there, and you can stop down on it. Then and and usually I just use my hand. Yeah, close enough. Yeah, yeah, but, fantastic. But anyway, this I got this this instrument I built this. Uh, let's see, I'm trying to think. They. The date and everything is down underneath the soundboard right here. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I know you donated it in 2019, from what I recall there. Okay. So, built before then or around then? Yeah. 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 And, well, uh, actually, I got it back then. Oh, okay. And and I I went through it, and I put new strings on I it. I see. Okay, okay. And, but... Uh, the spinner uh, Anyway, I wanted, well... I, I just feel like the older I'm getting and uh, uh, my teaching, I've had four students take the national championship. Congratulations. So, yeah, so, that's huge. Yeah. Uh, that makes me proud. Yeah, I, definitely. Well, I, am, I had one student over that I took her to Winfield and, and to go to that. And the day before we left to go, she was on a horse. She fell no, and, and broke her arm. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> and so she, I tried my best to, because he, she had the cast on and she could still, I, I, I felt like she could still do it. But mm -hmm. <laughs> she went, would you play for me? I said, you know, I said, I, I really don't play kind. Don't, I, it, I, I, I tell the students, if, if you can't stand defeat, don't compete. Yeah. <laughs> Because, Very true. I mean, somebody's yeah. going to win. It yep. may not be you. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And so, but anyway, uh, she'd already paid for everything, and but I couldn't talk her into playing. And said, "Please, please go pay for me." So, okay, I mean, and, you know, yeah, these kids, you can't break, you but, can't turn them down. No, so. no. <laughs> so anyway, but I, I got up there and I told them, I said, "Now, I don't want you to rate." Yeah, judge it. Yeah. Yeah. I said I played. I played for years. Mm -hmm. fact, <laughs> the uh, ringer, they threw him in there. <laughs> Just yeah. no. and in fact, they asked me. Uh, right, we played for the original Dulcimer Players Club up there, oh. and this was our 60th anniversary. 
And uh, they asked me how long I'd been playing dulcimer. I said, I just turned 79, and I says, actually, I started playing probably when I was about six or seven years old that I wasn't playing professionally or anything like that. So I said, I guess you could probably say I've been playing over 70 years. Yeah. <laughs> fantastic, yeah, yeah. You'd be keeping this music alive, and it's just such a beautiful instrument, too, and the noises it makes, the sounds, it's wonderful. Um, just it, the traditional music is something I really love. Folk and bluegrass is something I'm into. So this whole thing kind of came from the Alan Lomax archives, if anybody knows. He's a gentleman that went around the country and the world uh, basically saving, recording folk music from different cultures. Um, American cultures kept a lot of that stuff alive. Uh, we're trying to do that on a mini scale here in St. Charles to try and keep our local musicians, their history documented. And Bill, you've got such like a long and fantastic history that we wanted you to be on here immediately. So well, I really do appreciate you taking the time out to do all this stuff. Well, I, I appreciate it too. And I, yeah. I mean, I just feel like, well, Paul, I used to consider Paul Van Arsdale from New York as the grandfather of the Dulcimer. Yeah. Uh, and he lived to be, I think it was 92 when he passed away. And so I guess I kind of inherited that name because they call me Grandpa now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you live long enough, outlive him, you'll be the Grandpa, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I, I appreciate it too. I think. Um, one of the things about this is you see instruments like this. You, you know, a lot of times it's in a still photo that you see it, or maybe it, you hear the music somewhere and you say, "What is that sound I hear?" So it's nice to put this in front of people, and, and especially um, here in St. Charles with the history we've got. I mean, we've uh, we've talked about before uh, Eddie Peabody. I think I've yes, talked about Eddie that Peabody was one of our big him. banjo player guys, yeah. and and um, and just kind of tore the town up when he'd come out. I mean, he was just, I got a feeling he was a gas character, and I'm, I'm so sorry that I, I never got a chance to meet the guy, you know. Uh, but but that music, it wasn't just jazz. It wasn't just 20s jazz. It wasn't just 60s rock and roll. It wasn't just um, uh, church music playing. Everybody's got things going in their homes, and I think, especially, let's take it way back in history here in St. Charles, all these people came from all these other places, all of them bringing their traditions with them here. And then when they would get together, I guarantee you that the dulcimers and the ukuleles and the fiddles came out and, and people always got to experience this stuff. So I'm glad you gave us a chance now to experience that again here at St. Charles and, and, and see that. And, and uh, you know, you're always welcome to come back and, and see us again and, and, <laughs> and play some more. And, and uh, um, I'm hoping maybe you'll autograph this for me before you leave too so that we can, we can have it here in the museum. But uh, anything else, Eric? Uh, Bill? Would you mind at all playing St. Charles Blues for us? Sure. I, think I do appreciate that. <laughs> Great. If you want to take the headphones off, you can if you want to get that cable. Okay. Yeah, you can lead right. us out with the St. Charles Blues. Yeah. yeah. I appreciate it so much. Yeah, I actually, I got, the, I got in trouble years ago when we were out playing in front of a lot of Grand Opry stars, you know, and uh, I had the ASCAP and BMI come and, and they come up to me and they said, you know, you owe us a lot of money. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> I said, what do you mean? He said, you're playing these people's tunes and songs and says, you know, says, uh, you you have to pay for that. There. I said, no, I don't think so. <laughs> anyway, we went round and round about that. Oh, my gosh. And I thought, okay, well, 
if that's the case, then I'm going to start playing. I'm going to start composing my own and playing my own. I yeah. backed up so many different Grand Ole Opry stars, so I, I mean, I knew what they were playing. And yeah. So people asked for requests, I'd play it. Heck yeah. yeah. And uh, so, but anyway, so I composed St. Charles Dulcimer Blues. And <laughs> Thank you, Bill. Gosh, thank yeah. you. Very good. And this actual instrument is going to be part of our exhibition, believe it or not. We're going to have it as one of our featured pieces. Nice. So everything you heard here, you could come on and see, actually. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Bill, for joining us well, today. Thank we you. Appreciate thank it. you. Yes. Thanks for so much for inviting me. And oh, yeah. I'm, I'm glad I could be a part of it. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Great. Yeah, thank you, Bill. We appreciate it. Um, a couple more things before we take off here. Um, I didn't mention it last time we were meeting, so I want to make sure we mention it this time. Uh, our Hotel Baker event is coming up, Vintage Vibe, we're calling it. Um, a great night at the Hotel Baker. Um, in partnership with the Hotel Baker, we're going to be having a, a light dinner. We're going to have some uh, 1930s-style live music, uh, cash bar, and probably the thing that's most exciting people, we're going to get some tours of the hotel uh, both the old areas and the renovations that they've been working on at the Hotel Baker. Those tickets are going fast. They're limited. If you're interested, go to our website. Um, go to Facebook. There are links all over the place to buy tickets. stcmuseum.org forward slash Vias and Victor, Vias and Victor HB. Okay, if you're interested in that. Um, otherwise, stop by there or call the museum and we'll give you more help with that. Um, should be a great event, great night out, and uh, raise some money here for the museum. So we really appreciate that. Um, Eric, anything else going on and forget about? Uh, nothing yet. Uh, we still got the 1933 World's Fair oh, yeah. going on. That's going on through the pretty much the end of the year. Um, we've got a couple of new people here on staff, Melanie Henriksen and Alex Cullum. Melanie is our receptionist, and, and Alex is the new executive director here. Um, I'd like everybody in the whole town, all 33,000 of you, that come in and meet both of them. Um, and uh, it, not it, at once now. Yeah, and many <laughs> have met Eric either. So while you're at it, come in and meet Eric and tell him how cool his voice sounds on the podcast. Okay. Um, otherwise, uh, that's going to do it for us today, right? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Steve, and thank you, Bill, again for coming in. I mean, your expertise in this is just beyond. You know, there is no other. <laughs> so thank you. All right. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thanks, Bill. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the St. Charles History Chronicle podcast. You can purchase Bill Robinson's CD in our gift shop or online.
Join Bill Robinson and friends at the Fox Valley Folklore Society's 2023 Festival in Geneva on September 3rd and 4th. Go to their website at fvfs.org for more information. This content is copyright 2023, St. Charles History Museum, all rights reserved. Additional information on this episode and other podcast episodes is available at stcmuseum.org forward slash podcast. Cool.